Welcome to Hey, great shot. This is the Great Shot Podcast, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel Podcast Network production. My name is Alex Gruskin. On today's show, we have our first 2024 preseason edition of The Deciding Point, where we will set the scene for the upcoming dual match season. Of course, we've got a lot of fun podcasts planned over the next five weeks for all of you college tennis fans to enjoy. We're going to be running you through our Cracked Rackets preseason top 10 teams heading into the 2024 season. But on today's show, before we get into any teams, we want to break down a couple of things. First of all, we want to discuss how our preseason rankings from last season performed. Give all of you listeners a barometer for what you can expect for this year. After that, we want to get into the discussion. Take all of you listeners behind the curtain for what our deliberations looked like for this preseason top 10. We want to to talk about the teams that received votes. We want to talk about the race for the top 16 entering the year, the race for the top eight. That allows us to get into the depth we see in this year's college tennis world. We also, of course, want to talk about that race for number one. Fascinating on both sides of the equation. We want to talk about our predictions for how all the Power Five conferences play out, who's the guy, and so much more. In other words, it's a jam-packed podcast for all of you listeners to kick off our college tennis coverage. And joining me this season, as he did last year, as he has for so many years now here on our Cracked Rackets college tennis coverage, is a man you all know best as the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions. Never far from the listed UTR, the lean, mean Michigan Wolverine, the professor, and a man rocking, as we would call it in the Gruskin household, his Anderson Cooper glasses tonight. It's our dear friend, Chris Hallioris, back on the podcast once again. Chris, hey, great shot. Welcome back to the show. You ready to get our preseason coverage rocking and rolling? I am ready, and Gruskin, I have to compliment you. You are so observant. I just got the new glasses last week. Like, I just picked them up, and we haven't even seen each other. And you know, I don't think I would have looked in the mirror and noticed it after. I mean, I just see the ugly mug. I don't see the glasses. So, you know. Well, we're in the honeymoon phase, as always, to start the season. This is how much <laughs> yeah. I've missed you. Let me ask you this. Who complimented you quicker, me or your wife? Oh, you for sure. And that is why you have to be happy to be back, my friend. I have missed you, and so I've got compliments for you. And more than anything, I'm excited to get your thoughts on the 2024 season because, again, it is promising to be an action-packed year. It's the last year of COVID eligibility where all of those freshmen in that 1920 season who had their year wiped away, they got one more shot at a national title, one more shot to accomplish glory for their schools. As such, you see some loaded rosters, certainly at the top. It is worth noting, though, we're coming back to reality. You start to look at some serious contenders this year, and you go, hey, there's a hole at five. There's a hole at six in a way that just hasn't been feasible the last three years with the depth we've seen across the board. Anyways, all that is to say it's made for very fun deliberations for our Cracked Rackets team. We are still, of course, expecting a few December surprises in terms of roster additions, and we'll talk about that at the end of today's show. But before we get in to 2024, let's recap 2023. I turn now to you, Professor. You have the rankings in front of you, our preseason 2023 crack rackets top 10 i ask you my friend how did we perform in retrospect i mean we didn't do bad it's <laughs> it's hard to argue so first of all nine of the top 10 i mean we nailed nine of the top 10 nine of the top 10 finished in the season ending top 10 Yes, the season ending top 10 we had nine of those 10 in our preseason top 10 the one lone standout I feel like I'm a broken freaking record and swore to myself that I would do everything in my power to prevent doing it this year. And I just can't because their roster is too good, but it was Stanford. 
the lone team we had in our preseason top 10 from last year that didn't make the top 10. But I mean, we nailed one, two, Virginia, Ohio state was our preseason one, two. They finished one, two, Texas finished three. We had them four. I mean, you know, and the other teams, obviously our preseason top 10 last year for everybody on the record, Virginia, Ohio state, Michigan, who finished six, we had them three, Texas, Tennessee, we had five, they finished nine, TCU, uh, who finished four? We had six. We had six. Yeah. Then, then the aforementioned Stanford, Kentucky, eight, Georgia, nine, USC, 10. They finished uh, five, seven, and 10, respectively. So, I mean, I'm not sure how you can argue that. Pretty dang spot on. Our one miss was South Carolina. And shout out yeah. to the Gamecocks again, Samuel Thompson story with that big three and coach Goffey were able to accomplish last season certainly again had us thinking as we head into this year and look at some of the returners but yeah it's pretty damn good I'm not gonna lie pat on the back Virginia Ohio State one two and that being the exact finish I didn't remember being that accurate but shout out to us we were probably a little light on Texas who was number one for the majority of the season a little light on TCU as well but a lot of that had to do with Jack Pennington Jones getting eligible and you know, we had said even in our preseason podcast, if he gets eligible, they are elevated to another level. But yeah, Kentucky, Georgia, we may have sold a little light, but we were certainly in on them early. USC had TN played the full season. Who knows where they end in the season end rankings, but obviously sneak into the year end top 10. Great job by us. Maybe yeah. we shouldn't have let any other voters in. Maybe we should have stuck with our core four. That Stanford pick, by the way, is just the ghost of Matt Stachowiak pass. That's just <laughs> you and him for years being like, Ruskin, you got to include Stanford. Me being like, do we? I haven't had to include him since I, the Fawcett years. Yeah, I feel like on the percentages, like, and, and with Stanford, it, it feels like in addition to the fact that they just never, you know, they always, whatever the reasons, you know, the, the COVID disaster of nobody playing and then and then being young teams with freshmen. I feel like every year, however much I think the freshmen are worth on a team, I drop about 5% every year to the point where I feel like, okay, now I should be down to where it's realistic. And yet I look at the Stanford roster again this year and I go, oh my gosh, even if they don't have fairy, like I... They're still good. I, I can't keep them out of the top 10 as much as I don't want to. But that's a discussion we'll get into. Yeah. And again, we're going to talk about that here on today's show. We'll look at a broad view of our rankings. We're not going to get into any specific teams. And Chris, try your best not to because, again, we're going to have preseason top 10 shows talking about all of these teams but with that said a look back 9 of 10 it's a pretty good record Nate Silver looks back in jealousy at what we accomplished last season shout out to the people who understood that 538 joke I'm not sure if Chris did um, we're gonna try and do that again here in 2024 and before we get to unveiling our top 10 teams I want to talk about the process that went into it for what it's worth this year there are five voters we're going to have a sixth voter during the regular season. I'll reveal that person as soon as they confirm their participation. Chris doesn't know about them yet either, but I'm very much hoping, and they're very much qualified to participate in this poll. Right now, there are five of us. I'll ask the other participants if they're willing to be named out loud. There's only one I'm really thinking about who might not want their identity revealed, but we've expanded the poll tent for five for these preseason rankings. We'll go to six during the regular season for what it's worth. Um, I also texted, I think my final number was 35 coaches. In particular, I texted those coaches about the race for number one. And I want you to know we had 26 opinions for one team to be number one, nine opinions for a different team to be number one. And obviously those two teams are Virginia, Texas. We'll get into where the coaches sat in that argument a little bit later in this show. But for what it's worth, folks, at home, we expanded our preseason ballot this year. Very wise choice by Chris to 15. Submit your top 15 teams. That way, 1 through 15 all get points. There's better distribution. Things at the bottom look a little bit cleaner now. We still almost ended up with a bunch of ties everywhere. The margins were very thin, particularly as you get beyond numbers 4 and 5 in the rankings. And that speaks to the depth this year. But I just want to list every team that received votes. Uh, heading into our preseason poll, whether it was 1 through 15. Here's everyone who received at least one point. Virginia, Texas, Tennessee, USC, Columbia, South Carolina, Duke, Ohio State, TCU, Stanford. 
South Carolina, I think I said already, Arizona, Kentucky, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Wake Forest, Harvard, Illinois, NC State, Baylor, UNC. So 20 teams received consideration in our top 15. And I want to talk about the race for the top 16 here in a moment. But just right off the bat, Chris, 20 teams received consideration. Now, my ballot got very extensive at the end, and I think I submitted 19 teams uh, of the possible 20. I think I had all 19 in consideration for my top 10. But that speaks to the fact that, again, outside of – I'm going to say the top four because I'm not going to give this young Stanford roster the benefit of the doubt until they see it. They also have some other roster questions surrounding them. But with all the questions about the SEC, with all of the questions about the Pac-12, dare I say, as well, and, you know, again, who's going to finish in second in the Big Ten? I think that's a real race with Illinois, Michigan, of course, but Michigan State absolutely getting a ton of buzz in the conversations I've had the depth is back this year. It's, it's like a real race for the top 16, a real race for the top eight in the way that perhaps the locked-in rosters of last season that allowed us to guess nine of the top 10 correctly. I don't know if this year's field allows that. Yeah, I'd be shocked if we came anywhere close to the nine of 10. I would, as, to, as you pointed out, I think the we're going to get four, like the top yeah, four, the top are four stand, we're getting those the, right. The top four just stand out head and shoulders above everybody uh, else. Four's not head and shoulders. The top three are head and shoulders. The oh. top number four is just head. Uh, <laughs> and that's a short head? or <laughs> It's a recent birthday head. Well, that'll be our spoiler <laughs> alert for all of yeah. you listeners. If you know, you know. But uh, Yeah, but, but yeah, beyond that, well, you know, but your point's valid. Beyond that, you know, the... The whole Stanford, you know, all all kinds of questions there, freshman, fair, yada, yada. But beyond after that, there is just a larger group than we had last year. Last year, we were looking at a top eight where we were legitimately kind of going, eh, you know, 10, maybe 11 vying for those top eight. This year, once we get past that from, you know, from five down, we can go five to 20 and say, yeah, I I can make an argument that anything can happen there. I You just don't know. And to your point that you made early on, even though you say it's the last year, you know, it's the last COVID year, what, A, yeah, you may get some extenuating circumstances with medicals and, and whatnot. But for the most part, COVID's gone. And it's very evident. We have, you know, three or four teams that are that are legitimately six deep. And nobody after that is legitimately six deep. You see the lack of that COVID depth on these rosters now, which just makes it more interesting to where now one injury can devastate a team that's in that contention. And it's going to it's just going to be an interesting season to see how it plays out. Yeah. And again, I want to get into these races specifically. Let's look at the top 16 first. Again, you heard the teams that got consideration. I think all of those teams go into the year thinking we should end this season top 16. And to go through some storylines specifically, you know, that kind of bleed into honorable mentions here, like, I don't know what to do with the Ivy League because on paper, again, Columbia is really freaking good. Both Kotsons, Michael Zhang, uh, a couple of Frenchmen who can really contribute, some former five-star recruits. Columbia, you know, during the Bonfiglio era and even now immediately afterwards, they were bringing in top 10, top five classes. And on paper, you see that. You look at the UTRs, you look at the world tennis numbers, you see that for this Columbia roster. That said, what's their signature win? The last two years, you know, Harvard kind of surpassed them in the Ivy League, in, at least in the immediate past. And, you know, that's a real race. Are the ranking points there? Certainly Columbia's, I think, bringing Tennessee to town. That's a, you know, a very winnable match for them early in the season. One to watch for, you know, I, you look like you have something to say. So please. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, I know you're going to get to Harvard, but but to, but I won't I won't get there. But the deal this year for me the sleeper watch out for Cornell and that's going to add some points to that league. I mean, they have got some real players and they could jump up and surprise a lot of people. Yeah. I, I think that's a good team to point to. Redu Popaway was what quarterfinals. I want to say something like that at fall Nats this year. And, you know, certainly 
I mean, again, I didn't mention Harvard, but I think Harvard's in a really similar spot to where Columbia is. Yes, they lost uh, one of their top guys from last season in uh, Harris Walker, but you still bring back Doc Von Sr. You still have, you know, a junior Wimbledon quarter semifinalist, whatever it was, and Cooper Williams, who had some really good results over the last six months. They bring back Malovsky. They bring back... Oh, everything. They bring back just about everything but Walker at the top, and you hope Cooper Williams can at least to some extent fill in in a top three role if he finds his footing. What's the ceiling for that team? You know, both they and Columbia think they're in the top eight race, and I will tell you what, if we've learned anything over the year mathematically, there ain't going to be spots for them. There ain't going to be two Ivy League spots in that top eight. The points just don't exist for them in the way it will for other conferences, particularly. I mean, again, on paper, they may be better than the SEC, but you got to imagine the SEC is getting a top eight spot, even with all of those questions. And that's a next storyline in the top or 16. Three. Yeah, for the SEC, it's just like, what is going to happen at the top? Tennessee, Kentucky, a lot of talented pieces, but they're all new pieces. And to expect them to click right away, who knows how that process is going to go. South Carolina, we know what to expect at the top of their lineup, the big three coming back. How healthy are they? What the heck are they going to do at 4, 5, and 6? Very much an open question. Duke, did they catch lightning in a bottle? Like, did Johns have as good of a season as possible last year? There has to be regression, right? He lost like two total matches throughout the course of the year. If him, if there's any regression from him, I think given the fall he had on the Pro Tour, people would expect Garrett Johns to even have a better year at one. But like, what if three through six just aren't as good? as they were last year. Like, yes, Zhang has some pedigree at three, the Krugs and all these people have been around, but like Wake Forest is pretty good in the ACC. You feel like it has to be now for the NC State team that has a lot of returners and it's kind of been cooking there for a couple of years. UNC has some really talented freshmen on their roster this season. Again, the ACC is wide open. SCC, I mentioned Kentucky, Tennessee, and South Carolina, South Carolina Mississippi, Mississippi State has to be there because their yep. returners are there. And, you know, they're I a legit one, top 10. I had, I had one coach tell me that this might be Matt Roberts best chance. And it not might be. This is clearly his best chance since the Nuno teams to win the SEC. Because, again, Georgia ain't got no pieces that are returning other than MPP. Like Tennessee, Kentucky rosters are new. South Carolina's bottom half will be pretty new. Everything's wide open, Chris, and I'm just curious as you look at the top 16 in particular, do you feel that way as well? Like, do you feel it's a legitimate 20-team race, particularly given the volatility we're going to see in conference play? Like, the SEC champ this year probably has two losses. Oh, yeah, there's not – you can't even call out a clear SEC favorite in my mind. I mean, there are questions around all of these teams, and I'm sure our listeners are wondering, you know, you know, nothing probably – a hundred percent confirmed, but my assumptions going in are probably no Draxel after the challenger win for Kentucky. Yes. Right. I mean, we'll, we'll wait for an official announcement, but that would be my, my assumption, uh, which obviously great for, for Liam Draxel, not so great for the Kentucky prospects. Tennessee has an open uh, spot. Are we going to see blaze Bicknell or not? He has eligibility. Will he come back? Don't know. Uh, and and so those two teams that we talked about, we know Mississippi State, South Carolina, we we're pretty sure we see all three of Samuel Thompson's story back. As you said, are they all healthy? Sure. By the time the season rolls around, they'll be healthy. But we're going to get into the same old questions that we had last year of, OK, so what do they have at four five, six? But, yeah, those four teams kind of lead in my mind that SEC race and all four of them could be there. But. You know, two of them could be fighting top 10 and two of them could just drop. And I don't know which two are going to be which. Two of them could drop to fighting for top 16 to try to even host that first weekend. Uh, I, you just don't know. It's going to be a very – it's definitely wide open, like like we said at the top. From after you get past, you know, four in my mind, anything's game in, in this, this year. Like we could see teams that we think might be five, six, seven, and they could be – struggling to find top 16 and teams that we think are 16 could be fighting for top eight. A hundred percent. And just to put a pin on that, you 
mention the SEC part. Four deep. Florida's got a lot of talented freshmen. What if Coach Steinberg has them buying in, clicking oh, in that? Jeremy Ginn's great. Yeah, Aiden Kim's really Aiden good as Kim. well on paper yeah. as well. And so, again, that race is right, wide open. If you say those five are making the top 16, all of them, and that's a big ask, but we'll say four of the five. Like, again, in the Big Ten, two, maybe three, like Ohio State for sure. Illinois is really good on paper. And this is a group that's, you know, again, Hex this- a thread to that Zeke Clark, really good at the indoors, really good Big Ten tournament winning team. Ozalins, Miyoshi's had a huge fall. If Petrov's healthy, like, that's a real team. At Illinois, Michigan State, again, the darling of the ball right now. Ozon, Sheldon, first national title for the program in doubles at Fall Nets. You add in Ronnie Holman. You add in Thanos. You add in some other rumors you're hearing about maybe there's more additions on the horizon as well. Like, you got to figure at least two Big Ten teams, maybe even three, get into the top 16, depending on how preseason play goes. And by the way, that's not including a Michigan Wolverines team that had a Gavin Young fighting his tail off. If Nino's healthy, Bickerstaff, they're going to fight. That Michigan team's not just rolling over. You know, again, Big 12, Texas, TCU. What if Baylor has a bounce back season? Braysock's eligible, Parallax back, Veltz is back. Um, I wanted to call him Miamir Kesmetovich. I apologize for uh, Marco Miladinovich. <laughs> Miladinovich. Um, yeah, he's back. <laughs> Koenig has had more reps. Like, there's real reps here. And then again, Pac-12. Sure, Stanford on paper. But what about USC? Like, oh. we st- if Destanich is back, they're rocking and rolling. But it's open. Woj Tech is on the transfer portal. Like, that's a big loss if the Trojans aren't going to have him next year. Arizona, it feels like, again, Strom's a senior. Double H. Uh, Colton Smith, uh, Jay Friend at a massive fall. That is a team that you have to tear off the court to beat. It's a real race for the top 16 is what I'm trying to establish. And just again, that's why I want to go through the conferences a little bit later on this show. So rest assured, I'm going to give Chris a chance to respond to all of those points because that crystallizes the top 16 top eight right now. Chris, let's just talk through hypothetical scenarios. We feel pretty good about our top four. I mean, again, we can just say those top four. Spoiler alert, I think people know. UVA, Texas, Ohio State, the clear-cut top three. TCU's four. After that, let's just go through hypothetically. Is the SEC champion, even if they have multiple losses, a top eight seed no matter what? A hundred percent. Okay, so that's five. Is the Pac-12 champion, even with multiple losses, a top eight seed? Uh, yeah, given that it's got to be USC or Stanford, I would say yes. And Stanford's going to Michigan at the kickoff weekend. If they can get to the final site, that would be huge for the conference because they are not hosting. But if they get them, Arizona, who is hosting, I believe, Duke, who is hosting, uh, not Duke, excuse me, USC, who's certainly hosting. If you can get three to the final site, much uh, very beneficial for a conference that could use a bounce back year for the rankings. We got boxed out of the top eight last year, boxed out of the top eight the year before. And a super well. interesting site at Mississippi State, where, and speaking of the Pac 12, Arizona State plays Florida issue. State the first match, the winner to get likely. Mississippi State, a very, you know, I'll say winnable for any of those teams. But mm-hmm. uh, I mean, obviously, I would favor Mississippi State, but another chance for the Pac 12 to really do themselves some favors there. Okay. So the Pac 12 six. Does the Ivy League champion get one for sure? No, not for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Not. So again, we feel like there are six spots locked in. Columbia, Harvard will both be fighting for that spot. The SEC number two, from a rankings perspective, always fighting for that second spot. The ACC number two, always fighting for that second spot. And then again, in a year like this, I think you have to leave. It's funny in Judaism, Chris. We're giving you a Judaism lesson early here, uh, preseason edition of the show. You're supposed to leave a seat open at the table for some religion um and it's again like you leave the empty chair whatever it may be is that is that for harry Jaden? yeah well (laughs) what i was saying that's funny you say that is in the top eight race i'm gonna leave a seat open at the table for an unknown like someone's emerging this year like i'm telling you i've said it since i saw them play at pepperdine the kentucky freshmen are good they are really good stevenson loudit rankin those guys are players right away. And if they start clicking by the end of the year, body, uh, Clement, uh, excuse me, uh, not Clement, um, Cosne, um, 
Lapidot, Lapidot and, and Weeks. And Weeks. That yep. is a real seven. Like that is real depth. They should be able to be competitive at all six positions, really against everyone, even against the best of the best. Maybe not quite that Texas, UVA, Ohio State tier, but certainly close to it. Like I'm just saying, there are some. It's a real race for the top sixteen. It's a real race for the top eight. In a fun, honestly, maybe in a fun way we haven't had in quite some time. And in that spirit, before we move on to some extracurricular categories, my last question for you, without giving your ballot away, and by the way, for what it's worth, because Jay said we should do this, I think it's worth pointing out. Who are the teams with the biggest discrepancies in the rankings? Well, someone had USC as high as number six in the rankings, and someone had USC as low as number 13 in the rankings. They were a team with big gaps in terms of their perspectives. Tennessee had as high as five, as low as 10. I thought that, oh, excuse me, Tennessee as high as five, as low as 13 in the rankings. I thought that was pretty notable as well. You look at someone like Columbia, high of six, low of 10. Arizona, high of seven, low of 12. So again, like that five spot gap was really as high as any team's gap got. USC is the most polarizing team, right? Like that's what that tells me coming in is they are a team where we just still have a lot of questions going into the year. Yeah, a lot of questions and I'll own it. I was the guy at six, right? So, uh, and, and, to, to some extent, I would say knowing what I know now or what I might know now, what I think I might know now, I, I might have to drop that. I don't know what we're, I don't know that we're going to see Woj Tech Merrick this year. Uh, obviously, as you mentioned, he's in the portal, uh, which he's still eligible to play for them this year. He can't play for anybody else if he transfers. Um, and he could still play for USC. I don't know that he will or not. If he doesn't, that's a blow to them. And then obviously they've got to have Steph back. If Steph doesn't come back, then it's then it's, it's totally changed. But I still feel if we had Steph and if we have Merrick and we have Mac and we have the rest of that crew back, I like that team. Uh, I still like them. And I think it was such a toss up for me. Uh, in addition, I was still iffy on the whole Samuel Thompson story at South Carolina, who was a team I really debated in that position with them. But yeah, that was that was kind of the debate for me uh, in in that area in terms of where I put them. But yeah, they they are. They're definitely one of the teams to watch just because of the storylines of who's who's playing this year. Yeah. Tennessee is interesting as well. Again, as high as five, as low as 13. Monday's back. Mitsui's back. Diaz is back. If nothing else, that's a really good core. Now, they brought in two Polish kids with high UTRs. Olaf, not going to try and say his last name, being the higher of the two. Again, you got to see him suit up for Tennessee. Well, but one's gone. Is Olaf officially gone? So so it's... So they've got one of them is still there. Pachkowski, yeah. I believe, is is the uh, yeah. is Olaf there. Is the, oh, Olaf's staying, and the other's gone. It's it's the higher. If you look at the UTRs, it's the high UTR. Interesting. Uh, that's gone. He he's uh, yeah. He's even I think been removed from the roster. He's been removed from the roster. So he you know he got a lucky loser spot up in Canada. Uh, I think won a match in a challenger. And uh, and I think has just gone pro, but uh, but yeah, he's gone. So so it really leaves the big for them. It leaves the big open question of, hey, are we going to see? You know, we're going to see Blaze Bicknell, and yeah. and that'll be something. That'll be a a, a season watch kind and, of thing. And if he comes back now again, that's a real five, and they can find answers at six. Coach Woodson, Coach Mackay, you know they. They're, they will find you a number six. They'll have an option with their Did menu. Did you really just say Woodson and Tennessee? Did I say Woodson? I meant Woodson. You did. I apologize. I, but, but the Freudian irony there slip. is hilarious. Slip. Yes. They're a fascinating one because, again, you do have some questions lower half of the lineup. But, again, Monday Mitsui is a good founding block for any team out of the gate. But that's that's going to be that's gonna be kind of the, the MO this year is yeah. let's forget talking about UVA, Texas, Ohio State, TCU. Once we get beyond those teams – Every single team we're going to talk about, we're going to say, well, what do they have at five and six? It doesn't matter who it is. Get past those four. We have the same question. Those COVID years are gone. Those questions are everywhere. So any team that's got a decent spot, you know, spots at five and six, if they've got strong top four, they're in the running for a top eight spot. Yeah. All right. Well, my next question to you, one team that didn't make our top 10 that you wish did. 
Give me the one answer to that question. Of uh, Again, we got a lot of honorable mentions. I don't want to mention them all because I don't want to give away the top 10. But one team that's not in our top 10 that you think should be. Lee, I mean, for me, I, I mean, and it's the Homer boat, right? It's Mississippi State. They're just so solid now. All These guys are all... It, you know, they got a, 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 a great team coming back. You got Pitar at the top, who's had some great results beating like top 200 guys or something in the in the offseason. Uh, they bring in Dusan Milanovic from Presbyterian. I expect to see those guys at the top of the lineup. You bring back Hernandez, you bring back their number one from last last year in, in Memo, who I expect to see probably playing like three, four, I don't know. Uh, bring, you know, you got one freshman coming in that I expect to contribute there, but it's a really solid. The thing is, that's a team that's just solid. You could probably just go, ah, roll the dice, play them in whatever. It's, it, it's your thing where the coach gets to pick, play them in whatever order you want. I don't care because they are very close, but it is a super solid team. When we talk about other teams not having a five, six, these guys have a five, six maybe the one, two, you're going to go, yeah, they're not the level of the one, two of those top four. Okay. But they're not, I'm not saying they're a top four. I'm saying they're a top 10. Uh, and that's, that's the team. Obviously I, and to be fair, I voted them number nine. They end up, you know, further outside of the top 10 in our, in our consolidated poll. But yeah, that's the one team I think that's probably that has the chance to surprise, especially given that every year we know the SEC is going to get the respect in the points if they do their job and come up with the big wins, you know, then they're going to end up gaining some of the the big valuable points and they have a shot to be a top 10 team. It's a very good argument to make. I already talked about this team, so mine will be quicker. Kentucky. I'm just, I'm right. There are times over the years where, you know, Chris, I've just been right about things. Like, I mean, do we want to go through historically things I've been right about? No, because be it should be a short about. rant. Yeah, well, <laughs> 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 I missed you. Honeymoon phase over. Um, <laughs> listen, you old. F- <laughs> um, <laughs> by the way, speaking on that topic, um, I was doing a podcast with our dear friend Gil Gross today, and we were talking about Nicholas Jari. Who and Gil goes? Oh, you know Nicholas Jari. He, he's a little older, like a little, you know, again later in his career. And I go, Gil, say that again. And he goes, What? Jari's a little bit older. Nicholas Jari's five days younger than me, Chris. I was <laughs> devastated. I was crushed. Like to hear a description of someone as old who is legitimately five days younger than me. Like it ruined the rest of the show. I won't wow. let your comment there do that to this. But um, my answer is Kentucky because I'm just. I, you know when you know. Like, there are just times when you can see players, and over the years, you just are like, yep, that guy, or that team, whatever it may be, has it. And I'm telling you, like, the moment Virginia went to Ohio State and beat them that freshman year for Odesh, for Vonder Schulenberg, for Montez, they were just put on a different radar than any other freshman group we had in the country. And obviously, they have more than lived up to that hype. But I'm just telling you, like, Stevenson, Laudit, Rankin are ready to contribute right now. Stevenson and Laudit more than Rankin, but Rankin might end up the best of the bunch. Like, he just has the frame and can do a bunch of different things and is still putting it all together. Kentucky's really good, and I think, like, when they win the SEC tournament, this will be one of those, oh, man, Alex was right. And I'll just be like, yeah, I know. It's it's something I do for I, I'm just going to hold you to the fact that when you interview – Eli Stevenson for clinching the match. You absolutely have to ask him if he remembers me giving him a point penalty in a junior tournament. <laughs> the answer will be no, because uh, he's probably going to go. Yes. I remember that old effort. Like, Oh my God, I couldn't, but yeah, but I, that's what I was going to say is he's not going to remember you. Cause you're an old now. Yeah. So yeah he'll just yeah. be like, I don't that's even it. know what you look like. Now. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, no, no, glasses. No, you'll have to take off. You'll have to take off your glasses. Clark Kent. Uh, it'll be like, oh, it's Superman over there. Yeah, okay. Um, and so, yeah, I agree. Anyways, Kentucky's my pick. Yours is Mississippi State, but there's a lot of good teams this year, and it's going to be a really fun race across the board. That said, a fun five for you, Chris Hellyhorst, to end today's show. One more ranking question for you. 
And this is the one, again, 20, I asked 36 coaches, 30, uh, excuse me, 35 coaches. My older brother has actually never been more impressed with me professionally. Two moments of late. And I got to introduce this to the college fans because they don't know that this happened. The pro fans do. Um, My older brother, post-Harvard Business School, again, I've told this joke before. This is my parents. If they had friends, this is them at a dinner with friends. So how are your kids? My dad or mom goes, well, our oldest just finished Harvard Business School. Our youngest is a senior at Wharton, undergrad at Penn. But our middle loves tennis. And let's talk about him. That's just how I imagine they go to every dinner because I'm the center of their world. I, I am their Aristotle. Anyways. Does, um, does the head drop when they do that? Does well, it like- that's what I'm wondering. I like would love to know. I, I, I've always asked, so what's the next sentence? And usually they just laugh and they don't get into the next sentence. I'm like, this is concerning that you don't have like a 10-minute spiel of tall, handsome, funny. No elevator speech on Alex, huh? <laughs> Higher pitch voice than you would expect for someone of his height. Um, no, you know, they get into all of those things. Anyways, older brother. Startup post Harvard Business School. I'm bragging about him because I'm a big fan. His birthday's coming up. He hired a new you know, business is going well, so they hired a new engineer and they're doing an icebreaker to bring in a ring in a couple of new companies. And they get to um, you know, my brother, who's I'm Eric Ruskin. I have a younger brother, Nicholas, who does this, and I have another younger brother, Alex, who's into tennis. And the new engineer, whose name I apologize, I'm blanking on, stops him and goes, Wait. You're Alex Gruskin's brother, and let me just tell you that I was ready to retire because yeah, professionally— You need to quit now. That's what I'm saying. That's as good as it gets, that he yeah. hired someone who addressed him as Alex Gruskin's brother. I mean, just mwah, a thing of beauty. And so, again, that's why I imagine my parents at the dinner table are like, let me tell you about our middle son. <laughs> uh, so we got pictures of him interviewing Sarah Saripa's Tormo. Anyways, my older brother was extraordinarily impressed— because I texted 35 coaches, and he's like, damn, they actually respond to you. And I was like, I know. It's because I don't abuse it. It's like I'm, if I'm going to text you, there's one coach I'm thinking of who responded to me and has not responded to Chris. And this coach will remain nameless, but Chris knows exactly who I'm thinking of. Yes, I And do. it's because I don't abuse it, Chris. It's because if I'm texting you, I'm like being like, hey – we're doing no, something, no, no, and no. like I this need to sound smart abuse. here. So I text him like three times a yeah, year. Yeah, but my text. The here's the difference. My text comes with a joke. Like they see your text, and it's just a question. My text is, "How's your family?" Joke about my family, and then here's my question, and I'm, that's uh, why I'm texting him after the show to see. <laughs> okay, I just want to say, Michael Woodson, it's not you. Because you might think it's he might think it's him, but it's not oh, him. I just he want knows him to know it's not him. Yeah, there's okay. a damn three way going like twenty four seven. Yeah, him. exactly. <laughs> okay, three way text conversation to clarify. But I just want to be clear. I'm better at this than you, Chris. That's all I wanted to establish. Oh, there's, there. Well, See, there's you, no doubt you, about that. You ticked either. me off. You ticked yeah. me off at the thirty minute mark. Honeymoon phase I, is over. I'll um, concede that to no. <laughs> I'm just saying. I really want to thank all of those coaches and the people who responded to this discussion because I actually polled my brothers. I polled my cousin Brad, the people who mattered to me most. All these coaches. Obviously, we've talked about it in our crack rackets poll internally. It's the best preseason number one race we have had in many a years, many a years. I'm going to say right now, you have not told me for our listeners benefit. You have not told me the results of this. Oh, ooh, that's true. Which, yeah, which makes it very interesting. And I will say, knowing these coaches, I will be highly, highly, highly disappointed if the coaches, because... Be, wow, some must be an Amber Alert. Uh, the the coaches, I think, more than anybody, have to value what their teams have done. And so I I would think, and I don't even know, I'm going to wait for you to tell me, my guess would be that the coaches are going to say, look, with what UVA has done for the last two years, there's no way I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt and the preseason number one ranking, even though I can look on paper and clearly go that Texas roster is a joke and it's ridiculous. So if that vote did not go, whatever you said it was 26 to nine in favor of UVA, I will be shocked. 
Well, I'm glad you asked, Chris. And I apologize for the upcoming monologue that I'm going to throw your way. But again, it's the best race for number one. I was thinking about it. I went back to 2018 in the immediate aftermath of the post-UVA three-peat where like, yeah, Wake Forest was the favorites, but Blumberg was the best player in the country heading into that season. And UNC was bringing back a lot of guys. Ohio State always in the mix. There are a couple other teams, obviously Stanford that year, bringing in Geller with Fawcett, with Kumar. There were a lot of pieces to like there. They made a national indoor finals. Like Again, given the lack of pedigree of all of those teams, that was a pretty fun race. But, you know, this race is so fascinating because Ohio State gets left out. And in 97% of seasons in college tennis history, Ohio State would be preseason number one. Kingsley, a challenger final. Boulay, challenger doubles title, but tons of pro success. Anthrop, what he and Bernard did on the pro circuit at NCAAs last year. Tracy doesn't lose in the fall. And Cash has lost one indoor match in two seasons combined. You've got Nakashima, who won multiple Futures doubles titles this past summer. Luchanik as the reigning NCAA doubles champion as well. There are so many pieces for this Ohio State team. And yet they are like clearly third in the minds of so many when, again, talent-wise, on the right day, they will be the best team in the country. It's just can they make those right days the right day on the calendar this year? But the race is so fascinating because you have such a conundrum. You have, on paper, the two-time defending UVA champions who bring back the majority of their core. Ryan Getz was a massive part of the first two seasons. Him at four these last two years – He's lost fewer than 10 matches combined between the two seasons. He has been a staple in their lineup. His serve, his forehand, the weapons he provides, the steadiness, the calmness. It's a real piece that they will miss. But you bring back Rodesh, you bring back Montez, you bring back Von der Schulenberg, a top three who have just been so good now for three years consecutively. You're in the discussion no matter what. That they bring in Kiefer. Dahlberg coming off of a year where they were both pretty good at five and six, but there's definitely room for improvement. And you think with a year more of experience, you can add that improvement to bring in Graziani, Hopper, real pieces who can contribute. Dylan Dietrich, doubles. Man, come on. Oh, that's where I was getting last. Don't you worry. And then you bring in a top five freshman in the country in Dylan Dietrich. Like, can he replace Getz immediately? Maybe not. Can he, Dahlberg, and... Uh, Kiefer do it by committee over the course of the year and just collectively keep those records from four through six constant to what they were last year. I absolutely think that is a possibility. And again, has this team been the best team at the final site either of the last two seasons? On paper, absolutely not. Have they had the biggest at the end of each of the last two years? And just when the conditions got tough, when the moments got tight, UVA was the team that was loosest, that loved each other the most, that pulled through in the end. The answer to that is an unequivocal yes. And they're a two-time defending champion with five of six returners. To not put that team preseason number one, talk about the ultimate sign of disrespect. On the other hand, Chris Halioris, you have a Texas roster that even if Timo Legu is not eligible in this 2024 season, the, uh, dual match season, they have a case to be the most talented team on paper since those three Pete Virginia teams. Since the day of six top 300 players, Richard, Aragoni, Wiersholm, Kwiatkowski, Sonderlin, and Altamirano. Like, this team, with its combination of experience, of young talent, they might legitimately be that good. You bring in the reigning number one player in the country in Elliot Spaziri, who, by the way, wins All-Americans. You bring in, uh, you have a Micah Braswell entering his fourth year, seems finally healthy. And what does that health bring? An ITA Fallnat single title. You don't like those two? Fine. We'll bring in the new and improved editions. G.A. Bailey, two-time Junior Slam singles finalist. We'll bring in Jonah Braswell. It's another Braswell, who was a top 75 player as a freshman at Florida last year. That's not even including returners in P.Y., in Waldeep. P.Y., by the way, Bailey, G.A.'s older brother, Siam Waldeep, who's been a top 50 player when he's at his best. Cleve Harper, who's made two NCAA doubles finals. And again, if he's left out of the lineup, given what he's done at six over the last two years, what a luxury. That would be, by the way, to have at least seven, if not eight, with Legou. You know, again, a team that's been bitten by the injury bug so frequently of late, Chris. On paper, this team is ridiculous. And my older brother framed it perfectly. He said, Alex, 
if you're making a preseason number one, don't you owe it to your listeners not to say who are you putting in respect, who do you think the best team is right now, and who are you picking to win the damn thing? Don't Doesn't that team have to be number one? Because that is the question we are trying to answer here with these preseason rankings. Who is the best team? And on paper, there is no doubt the best team is the Texas roster. It makes the race fascinating. Again, I apologize for the monologue. For what it's worth, Chris Haliorson, you will have the final word on this. I interviewed 35 coaches and some people in the know on this topic. 26 answer UVA, 9 answer Texas. I think I've laid out the argument for both there pretty clearly, Chris. Final word on this goes to you because it was such a tough vote for me. Yeah, I I would have been shocked if you told me the coaches voted otherwise. And, you know, the coaches are a, I'll, I'll call it a more mature bunch, uh, as am I, if you will. And hence, I voted UVA number one. You just can't, whether you call it a respect thing or not, I don't know. Like, I will admit. But this is Florida State. Uh, sorry to cut you off. This is Florida State, Alabama. It's like, do you respect the results or do we know? In t- it's like on paper and what you've seen, this Texas team, it, it's like this is the one time. By the way, you don't get this in rankings in the pros because the yeah, rankings but it's are not, determined it, by math. Like, I love not, this debate. We find it's a real race. Like, Chris, right now, here's what I ask you because not to cut you off, but I just want to because you voted for UVA. You said that already. So where I would ask you in response is right now. They are playing dual match outdoors. Who are you picking? Um, if they play right now, I take Texas. If they play in May, I take UVA. So, okay. The fact that you say in May. Okay. So they play in May right now. You would pick yep. UVA. I'm taking UVA. Yeah. And I can't knock that reasoning for number one. And I think that's a reason a lot of people would have had number one as coaches. Again, you mentioned it, the pedigree, the returners, the fact that you just can't fake two national titles and what that does to your team from an institutional know-how standpoint. Yeah, it was a really fun race. I'm not revealing our answer for who our preseason number one team is. I guess I gave away number three and four throughout the course of today's show. But let me just say it was a one-point margin between Yeah, yeah, teams. obviously the fi- we have five were- voters. We went 3-2, and you'll, you guys will find out which, which way we went. But uh, – uh, and and clearly, you know, three of us went one way. But yeah, it's a it's a fascinating argument. Here's and- what I also would like to say: three of us went one way, and I was the swing vote. And honest to God, I'm still not sure which way I lean. Like I got a couple weeks to get there to really make up my mind. <laughs> yeah, it's, you could you tough. could change your you could change your mind, right? No, look, I was in. Uh, you know, for for those that uh, that may have followed along, I was in Austin for that final of the ITF where, where, where CM and PY played in the final. And I'm watching those two guys and this, like the level indoors and they moved indoors because of the weather, which was uh, honestly a blessing for me because it was the only thing that let me see the match. I was in town for other reasons. You probably got a VIPC because Bruce was like, Hey, that's Chris. Like he's cool. No, they moved, they moved it indoors because of the weather. And there's, you know, had there's nobody there we just go out into the bleach but it it let me see it because i had you know i was watching my wife race earlier in the day and they moved it to a 3 p.m start indoors so we go to the indoor site my wife and i we get to watch the match the level of that match was unbelievable and cm you know for probably a set and a half was just lights out crazy good uh and even py coming back and taking it they, I mean, they're they're going to be a legit threat indoors. Always, you're going to have to look at Ohio State as the indoor team to beat, right? But, uh, but yeah, that roster is so good. And when you're looking at it, and I'm watching that match, and the entire time I'm watching that match between CM and PY, I'm thinking in my own head, I'm going Spiz, GA. Braswell, probably in some order, top three. I'm watching like four and five play a 25K final. Like, this is ridiculous. It's a, it's a joke. So, so yeah, I totally get the people that say Texas. But, man, I've we've seen it for two years now. You know, Rodesh, Montez, I don't care if it's, it's yeah, yes, oh, fine, it's Spiz, it's Montez, uh, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's, it's Spiz and it's, whether it's GA or whether it's, 
uh, whether it's Braswell at, at two, like Rodesh and Montez come May, they're just unbeatable. They're not going to lose. And you're going to have to take it from them. And in a 50-50 toss-up, if in my own mind I'm going, man, I don't know if you can beat those guys, I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the guys that have done it two years in a row back-to-back. So that that's where I land. Fair enough. And again, you'll see where we all land as our preseason top 10 is unveiled. All right, last five questions for you. They're not rapid fire, but again, these are more fun than anything else. Things we like to discuss here at Cracked Rackets. Question number one, Chris, is the Texas men's roster the best on paper since that three-peat Virginia team? Oh, 100%. No doubt. Better than, so the contenders are probably 18 Wake Forest and 22 Florida, maybe even over 21 because they have Shelby, even though he's on the bench. Like, yeah, those the, are the two contenders. The The problem is the Wake team, yes, really good and semi-deep. All we can talk about, Gadjev at six. Yeah, that's or, the problem or, is but, you have to include Gadjev, so they're disqualified. This team has more depth than 2019 Texas, and as good as that Florida team was, you know, again, the 22 Florida team. Yeah, they're just, the this team's run. just too, I mean, especially if you got Lagoo. We're talking about a Lagoo that's like, I don't know, he's like a 13, 8 or 9, like probably at 6. Come on, it's ridiculous. No, it's it's a really good roster. Again, probably the best since Shane and Frank. Like, we're on that Virginia team as yeah, well. Yeah, what was that, 15? Yeah, and Wiersholm was on the bench. That's the one that won at Baylor. 15, that's the 16, 15, somewhere yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah, that's 15. That's that's the yeah. first of the three-peat. Like, Ty plays four. Shane dusts Julian Lenz and wins NCAs and Mitchell Franks, Mitchell franking it up. It's just like, and JC's playing six and Henrik's not playing. Like, what are we doing there? Yeah. Henrik could play today on all of these rosters and that's post law school and all these different things. So this is a really good Texas team. That's why we're excited about them. Preseason conference champions. We're going to make rapid fire predictions here. I'm going to ask you for the top two in each conference, Chris. Let's start with the easy one. Big 10. Oh, I mean, Ohio State, Illinois, but I will say that it's a it's a battle. Illinois, yeah. right now in my mind, Illinois, Michigan State, it's a battle. And I, you know, of course, as all our faithful listeners know, I now have ties to the Michigan program. I hope those guys are in the bat in in the mix as well. But Ohio State's, I mean, just mail it in. They've already won. Uh, and and Illinois, Michigan State, probably battling. Yeah, you're a cheater. I'm going Ohio State, Michigan, because I'll never give up down on our boys. Big 12. Uh, well, Texas, I mean, TCU, right? Texas 1, one TCU 2. That's yeah, got to be. I think be. that's yeah. a pretty easy one. All right, these next three are fun. Pac-12. I mean, I'm going – I'm going to stick – I'm going to say Stanford even without Ferry. Uh, so – and I don't – and I say even without. I don't know what the answer is there yet. But even if they don't have him, I will still take them. uh, And I will still go questions pending for now, USC too. All right, I'll go Stanford to win the regular season, Arizona to win the conference tournament. Actually flip that. Arizona to win the regular season, Stanford to win the conference tournament. Arizona is just going to get up. They're going to be ready, and they're going to punch those Stanford freshmen in the face. Yeah, such a solid, solid team. Yeah. And so that's going to be one where this conference tournament regular season are for sure split. Again, the other will finish first and second the other way. All right. Again, these last two, very fun. ACC. Virginia one is the two. Virginia one. Does Duke run the table again? Man, I'll tell you what. And I'm I'm not going to make a lot of friends over this. And but but even in my own rankings, I put Duke two, but that's on the strength of the top three. I just as of right now don't have faith in the entire bottom half of that lineup. I also don't have faith that there's any way in heck Tony Bresky is getting Adrian Boyton eligible. But but if it happens, my oh my, I think Wake could be in that consideration. I will stick for now with Duke too, but man, I I think it's really tight and I think for sure it could be Wake 3 and somebody else could jump up. I mean, Florida State's still battling, trying to get uh, Antoine Cornet-Chauvink eligible for this year and bring back basically 
that team, uh, which is going to be a very, if they've got him, a very good team. Uh, so there's a lot of questions out there, but I'll stick for now with the status quo of UVA Duke. I'm going to go UVA Wake Forest because you know the phrase, end bat. Never bet against Tony. He's going to find a way. I'm going to put him second. <laughs> is, is that, yeah. We got NDN and now we have NDAT. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, oh, again, I'm coming loose with the acronyms here to start this 2024 season, Chris. Last one, SEC. I think, again, this is another tournament. We're going to have two different champions in the conference tournament and the regular season. Oh, yeah. This, I think it's this a two-loss is... sort of year. Give me your picks. First, second, who you got? So wide open. Um, well, I'm going to – I'm not by just because I've sworn myself off of the freshman conversation. So I'm I'm out I'm out of your discussion on Kentucky because it's too many freshmen with no Draxel. And I'm assuming so I'll I'll preface it with I'm assuming no Draxel. So if no Draxel, I'm not going to throw Kentucky in there. I'm going South Carolina Mississippi State. Ooh. I don't so so I think Tennessee, obviously, if if you get a Bicknell in there, Tennessee's really good. I I just don't know. I don't know the status. And we, you know, and, and I don't, I honestly don't think we're gonna know for quite some time because we saw what happened last year. I, you know, I I think if if Blaze is gonna play, obviously he likes the outdoor stuff. He, you know, we may not even see him early. We may see him later. Who knows? But uh and that may play into the benefit for Tennessee if he does come back that, yeah, they're better, you know, they're better later. But, uh, yeah, I'm still I'm going to go South Carolina, Mississippi State. And, yeah, I don't think I don't think you get a consensus in terms of one of them went sweeps both conference regular season and conference. I'll go one and one there. I'll go Tennessee, Kentucky to sweep them just to give you two different wow. teams and speak to again how different the sec is and now we got a bunch of things in play so just fun things for us to monitor throughout the course of the year but again it's a wide open sec and it's going to be a fascinating race to follow i'm excited our crack records team will get to cover so much of the action as well throughout the course of the year all right last three for you here chris who's the guy entering the preseason is it spiz uh, entering the new season, excuse me, is it Spiz, who's been number one for a year and a half, wins ITA All-Americans? Is it Chris Rodash, obviously two-time defending champions, played one each of those years? I think those are the two guys with the strongest case, but certainly Kingsley's coming for the crown. Samuel, I think, will have a bite at it. Monday, Destanich, if he's back. Michael Zhang wants his name in that conversation. Who's the guy right now entering the new year? Yeah, as much as I made it known, right? I voted I voted UVA one. I still think Spiz is the guy. I mean, for everything I mean, everything, it's it's not just what he does on the court, it's it's what he does off the court, his attitude, the fact that all the guys look up to him, just who he is. And not that by no means, and I'm with you. My my only two options right now for me are Spiz and Rodesh. And I'm not saying Rodesh, you know, Rodesh is a great kid too. He's not a bad guy, but just the way that everybody looks up to Spiz and the fact that he could have, I mean, he could have just done and gone and he wants to come back. And it's all about the team for him. Everything about him is, is the team. He's the guy. I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go Chris Rodesh. I just think what we've seen from him at NCAAs, I think he beat Spiz in the semifinals last year. He makes the semifinals of the individual tournament. He just shows up for the biggest matches and quietly beats the best players in the country match after match. Again, was three sets with Shelton in that 2022 quarterfinal and hasn't lost a meaningful match for the Who's at NCAAs since. Spiz is obviously right there in the conversation. He wins ITA All-Americans. I would ride with him as much as I would ride with Chris Rodesh, but I think Rodesh is the guy right now. It's his title to lose entering the year. Program hot seat, Chris. Give me one program you think has to have success here in 2024. Otherwise, you're going to begin to doubt. You know, Otherwise, the doubt begins to be injected. Are you saying Stanford? Are you going to be boring or are you going to have more fun? No, I'm actually going to go that direction, but I'm going to say another team. I think it's USC. Oh, I think, you know, obviously we've talked about the fact that we've seen, and I love coach Macy, 
right? Great yeah. friend of the it's program. It's not an indictment on the coach. Again, it's about yeah. the program. Yeah, yeah. The, the program itself, I think it's 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 one of those they've been sort of like we know the history of that program, right? I mean, they are they're they want to be up there contending for that national championship every year. And uh and I think that I think boy if and I and it would be very unfortunate if things went to the to the way where like Steph decided to turn pro and Merrick doesn't play this year, it gets really ugly out there. But on the flip side, if they're both if they're both in the lineup, things could be good. It's a it's a team, I think, that for me, I it's a it's a turning year for them. They they've got to do something here. And and I think that program's gotta gotta do something. And that's that's a that's a program I'm watching for that reason. I don't mind that pick at all. UCLA's been on this list for about four years consecutively now. I'm going to go with Illinois. Not because, again, I think Brad Dancer's in any sort of jeopardy of losing his job, but you talk about, again, the history of late. This is a team that is top 16 should be the floor for this program. That's the expectations. And, again, they've kind of been in this great year, bad year, great year, bad year cycle they're back on the better end of that cycle right now. And again, this is a team that has a ton of talent on paper. They should feel not just that they have a shot at finishing second in the Big Ten. I don't know where that Ohio State match is, but they should feel like they can threaten at the top of that lineup. That Ozalans, Heck, Miyoshi, you know, again, a healthy Petrov can all hang, even with the big boys that are the Buckeyes. I want to see Illinois put together a consistent top 16 season. No weird losses and random road trips. No, I want to see them put it together start to finish because they have the talent to do so. And I think a better, you know, again, a healthy Illinois is just a healthier ecosystem for college tennis with all Coach Dancer and the Illini program does with the Champagne Futures, Challengers, etc. So I want to see the Illini bounce back. I think they're poised to do so this year. That's one that I'm watching. Last one for you. Roster questions. You mentioned Draxel. I don't think he's coming back. Ferry, everyone says, door's still open. He's keeping it open. He is still eligible. We're definitely not going to see him in January. Same thing, Bicknell, door's still open. We're definitely not going to see him in January. Obviously, there's the Boyton question. Half these schools will still tell you that they have another roster addition to make here in December. We'll see how many of those things come to fruition. Chris, what's the biggest roster question for you still remaining? Man. I mean, yeah, I honestly, Samuel's I think, by the way, Samuel Thompson's story, which was a roster question. They're all back for South Carolina. We've had that answered. Yeah. The, I mean, I think, I think to me, look, the, the Tennessee, I'm, I'm not even worried about because even, I, I think sure. even if we're going to see big like you said, we're not going to see him early. So it's not even going to be a question we answer anytime soon. Um, the, the biggest one to me is the fairy question. And Look, I have absolutely zero knowledge. I am not buddies with Paul Goldstein. I don't know the guys that you, that you know out there. I just look at it from an from my objective point of view and I I I can't in my in my wildest dreams figure out how Arthur Ferry comes back. I don't I it doesn't make sense to me. But I keep hearing like you say yeah, it's open. The door's there. It's a 50-50. I don't, I know, don't, don't read anything into what I'm saying. I know nothing. I literally know nothing here. I just don't see why it would happen. But if Ferry comes back, yes, super, super dangerous team. And that's the biggest question in my mind, because I, I honestly don't know. It doesn't make sense to me that he would come back. If I'm him, man, I'm taking advantage of everything I've got and I'm running on the pro tour. But at the same time, you know, I can make whether I'm talking about Arthur Ferry or whether I'm talking about Blaze Bicknell or whether I'm talking about Liam Draxel, who, you know, I think we're all in a consensus of isn't coming back. In this day and age, those guys, especially if it's your last year, I don't even think the money part's a question because you could, I think by the time you grow you you go through half the year and you're graduated and now you get to, I think you get to keep the money. So I don't think that's the question. If you can just fly in, play the weekends and get out and go play pro tennis and, and then only have to do it for the matches that coach really wants you in for, why not do it? I don't like, uh, you know, I say that, like I say on one hand, I don't think it makes sense for Ferry to come back. If I'm him, I'm going pro at the same time. I'm going, 
yeah, but if I really love the team and I love the whole college thing, why would I not, unless it's the fact that I'm in Europe playing, right? I mean, he is British, but uh, unless I'm overseas, if I was willing to be around in the US, just come in for a Friday, Sunday, or Thursday, Saturday, whatever the Pac-12 is playing, play my two matches or play even one of them and then get on and go play a pro tournament after that, why not do it? I mean, you get to keep the money, you get to have the best of both worlds. It's very, very possible. So, but I think Ferry by definitely has to be the biggest question. Yeah, I think that's fair. Again, he comes back, that Stanford roster. They don't need every freshman to click. They just need some of them to click. And again, if they do with Basavaretti, with Banerjee, with Basing, on paper, once again, it's a very, very promising Stanford team. But with that said, folks, that's your look at our deliberations, our thought process heading into our preseason top 10. Now we all, all we have left to do is roll out the teams, which we will, of course, be doing over the course of the next five weeks. Chris is going to be joining me to break down all of our men's top 10s. John Parsons going to be breaking down for our top 10 women's preview. So stay tuned, folks. We've got a lot of great shot podcast content coming over the next five weeks. Obviously, we're rocking and rolling on the mini break. We're going to get the Cracked Interviews podcast podcast rolling as well so again be on the lookout for a lot of great content on the horizon a shout out of course as always to our super producer Daniel Westoff for the of an editing job he does day in day out making all of our content possible a thank you as well to you Chris Halliores it's great to have you back in our life great to get to be able to do this with you so frequently and I'm fascinated to know any final thoughts before we wrap today's show I mean, the only final thought I have is, man, I have missed that mug I'm staring at right now. <laughs> man, folks. Yeah. Isn't my jaw looking good, too? I mean, I, yeah, I need more of that. I need more of that in my yeah. life. But yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be a great year. You know, I feel like we've been delayed in even getting here, and I've been waiting for us to get rolling on the, uh, it's on the, the team's fault. Season. It's not my fault. It's the team's fault. Everyone kept saying, I got another edition coming. It got to the point where we were just like, no, it's December. Yeah, we got to yeah, start. And, and for all the listeners, to be fair, every single team in the country will tell you, yeah, I've got a January commit. Just yeah, wait. Exactly. <laughs> like, like we're waiting and waiting and waiting. Fine. Okay, fine. We're go. We have to run. This is it. But uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm deaf. I'm ready to get rolling. I'm looking forward, looking for so forward to this season. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be a great one. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's get January rolling. Gosh, I hate this is the worst month of the year. Honestly, December is like it's such a waste for college tennis. But well, it's uh, because we talk about so much. It's like we are ready. This we're previewing, and it's like can we start already by the end of it? And that's the best part is then it does start, and we're ready yeah. to rock and roll. And so, Chris Hallioris. This season is made better with your content, with your coverage. I know we always appreciate it here at Cracked Rackets. A thank you to you. And with that said, for the fantastic Chris Heliors, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, and all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Chris, what do we tell our listeners? Hey, great shot. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.